0: guys can have a seat. Have you ever woken up from a dream that you were having and thought, what in the world was that? I mean, sometimes you have some pretty crazy dreams and you know that it was just whatever, and it was just a weird dream. But sometimes, whether you're waking up in the morning or, or whether you just kind of snap back from a daydream or whatever it is, sometimes you have those thoughts, those visions, those dreams, and you wonder, was that, was that from God? Did he just show me something? Is he trying to speak to me? And, and throughout the Bible, God spoke a lot through visions and dreams. And we're gonna talk about one of those today. It's found in the book of Ezekiel. And Ezekiel was a prophet of the Lord at a time when God's people were going through absolute painful heartache. They had been driven from their country from their land they were living in enemy territory Uh, their their country their city had been destroyed it was sitting in rubble it had been burned to the ground and they didn't have a lot of hope there wasn't a lot of joy there and they would often wonder is hope coming is someone coming to save us and even if someone did come to save us where would we go what's left for us what's waiting for us when we get home and they were very much in need of a word from the Lord, and they get one through Ezekiel. And it's a vision that just has so much life and joy and hope and peace and promise. This is it in Ezekiel 47, starting in verse 1. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. And there I could see water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. And measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and then led me across. The water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again. This time, the water was up to my knees. And then after another 715 feet, it was up to my waist then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. And he asked me, have you been watching, son of man? And then he led me back along the river bank, and when I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. And he said to me, the river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever this water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea all the way from the En Gedi to the Enaglam, the shores will be covered with the nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea, just as they fill the Mediterranean. The marshes and swamps will not be purified. They will still be salty. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be food, and the leaves will be for healing. Can you imagine what that would have done for the hearts of God's people living in exile? To know that someday there was there a river coming, a river of life that was going to come and bring them healing and bring them provision and bring them food again and bring them life again. It would have been, I think, probably fairly encouraging for them. But see, that word is in the Bible because there's probably something in there for us as well. And it is my hope and prayer that we would get an encouraging word from the Lord today through his prophet Ezekiel. Let's pray. Jesus, we are grateful for all the ways that you have spoken throughout history and we're grateful for all the ways you still speak to us today. And uh, I just pray that you would speak in this place. That when we leave, we would know that we would have met with you. That we would know that we lifted your name high. That, that we would all get a touch or a word. Whatever we need from you today, I pray that that's what we would get from you that if someone needs healing and encouraging and comforting, that they would find that in this place, that if someone needs conviction or a push or a challenge, that they would get that in this place today. But we just pray that your name would be lifted high and your word would be declared and that you would speak loudly, that the enemy's plans and lies and distractions would fail so that this, this would just be a place where there's freedom and hope and victory. So speak to us. May we be open to your spirit today, Jesus. We pray it in your name. As church all together said, amen, amen. Amen. All right, how we doing? Welcome to church. That's good. (laughs) You just told me you were good, and then you said nothing. Um, It's good to see you here. We're glad that you're with us. Thank you that you didn't, like, get angry and burn the church down because we have black fabrics on the back rows. Good job. Good job. We have those for Saturday nights. And uh, it's just a way of getting people a little more close and a little more to the front. See, in, in the summer, we're only in two services, and then we go to three services, and in a month, we're about to be in four services, so you understand that this number gets a little bit less because we're spread out across multiple services, right? And so this is to help it feel like, all right, there's people here, we're all good, you're sitting beside someone, and uh, God willing, we'll have to get rid of them, right? So don't complain, invite people. That's the best way to solve the problem. But those aren't there because people aren't coming. We're growing like crazy and seeing new faces, and God is doing something exciting at Cross Point Church. Uh, we're in this series called Imagine Again, where we are dreaming and praying and hoping for some really big things. And it's kind of all under the idea here that you can't imagine something that is bigger than God's capability to pull it off, you can't out imagine God's ability. And so, if that's true, why don't we pray bigger? Why don't we believe for greater things? Why don't we step out and try and do bigger things? He says, I can do even more than you could ask or imagine. And sometimes I think the problem is not with him, it's that we're not asking or imagining enough. And so, this series is an invitation to dream big about our church and about our faith and about our city. And uh, last week, we kicked it off. Uh, We had over 500 people here last weekend at church, which is awesome. And we already celebrated that 10 people gave their lives to Jesus. And we've got people doing street ministry downtown Saturday nights. In the last two weeks, they've had four more people give their lives to Jesus. And uh, God is just doing something Exciting. And last week, actually, we've also been fundraising for this South Campus for uh, a number of months now, really. And and we kind of celebrated. Last week, someone said, until we're done, until we're at our goal, I will match every gift that comes in. And we were like, yeah, that's awesome. Well, last week, someone gave a check for like (laughs) $12,000, which is, one, crazy... And two, <laughs> that person didn't know that they were going to have to match a $12,000 check. And that is fantastic. And you got you to remember, this is on top of already a check that was given for $15,000. And there's stacks and stacks and stacks of envelopes that you guys have filled for your 150 for 150 campaign. It's not about the amount. It's about the heart of the giver and what God is doing. And so... We want to celebrate that today, not because these people want to be recognized and applauded. More often than not, they don't. But we want to celebrate the fact that it's a way for us to say, God is in this. Yeah. That God is in this, and our people are behind us, and we're excited about the vision, and we're excited to see what God is going to do. And so be encouraged, and uh, be praying. One month from today, we are at the theater. Yay. And so, man, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. I feel like it's quite fitting that that was week one of a series called Imagine Again. Because I don't think a month or two ago we could have imagined that this is where we're already at and what's already happened and how God has been working with us. It's, it's pretty wild. So good, good stuff. Um, all right. How many of you grew up in church or you were like a kid in church somewhere along the way? Does anyone remember this classic song, I've got a river of life flowing out of me, makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Oh, come on. Yeah, Okay, that's good anyway. That's fine. That's bringing back memories. I'm pretty sure that we sang that every single Sunday of my life. Every day, every, every church service we were in, that's how service, somewhere along the way, I got a river of life flowing out of me. And, and I was a kid when we sang it, and so I sang that song nine million times, but I don't think once did I ever stop to think about the words that I was singing. In fact, the only time I can think about the words we were singing was probably when we rewrote them to make it like potty humor because we were eight or ten. And you can just imagine, and I'll leave it to your imagination, what we were probably singing about a river of life. And, but think about this. I want you to think about the words for a minute because maybe you did the same thing. as like, Yeah, I got a river of life. But here's, you think about this. I've got a river of life flowing out of me and it makes the lame walk and the blind see... It has the power to set prisoners free? Really? Do you believe that? Like, is that a biblical thing? Did you ever stop and think, like, really? I, hold on. I have the power to see sick people get healed. I have the power to see people who, who are addicted and in chains broken and made free. I've I've got the power. I've got life flowing out of me. It's a pretty crazy idea, isn't it? But it's... Very, very biblical. We're going to talk about rivers today. We're going to talk about rivers. We're going to talk about Fredericton. We're going to talk about us, and ultimately, we're going to talk about Jesus. And uh, I hope that by the time we're done today, you will understand that the words to that song uh, are true, and it's really our calling. So, the bottom line here is that rivers are life. Wherever there is a river, there is life. Life. That's been true since the dawn of civilization. Mankind has always settled on the banks of the river. They knew that that's where they could survive. It's where they could thrive. Rivers are water. Rivers are food. Rivers are protection. Rivers are transportation. And so for centuries and centuries and centuries, mankind has settled on the banks of a river. That's still true to this day. Millions of people live along the rivers, whether you're talking tribal people in, along the Amazon or, or the tons of people that live in villages along the Nile, whether you're in London along the River Thames, whether you're in the Mississippi River, which is like, you think of how many big cities are on the Mississippi from Minneapolis to St. Louis to Missouri down into New Orleans. Uh, it's, rivers are life. In fact, if you see aerial shots of rivers, what you'll see is wherever there's water, it's green. Wherever there's water, there's life. Even if shots from space, what you'll see is lights that says, this is where all of the people are. This is where everyone has settled. Wherever there has been a river, there has been life. When a river flows through something, it brings healing, it brings food, it brings provision, it brings water, it brings whatever people need in order to live. Now, rivers also can be a little bit terrifying, and there's things that live in them. Have you ever seen River Monsters? Anyone ever watch River Monsters with Jeremy Wade? That guy is unbelievable. He's like, look at all the piranhas, and then he jumps in. It's awesome. I love River Monsters. Um, doesn't have anything to do with the sermon. But like, culturally, rivers have been a part of our history, a part of our stories, a part of our lore. There's been other, you know, Hawk Finn and Tom Sawyer, that all happened on a river. But River Monsters really is probably our best cultural picture of. There are three things I want us to know about rivers today. Every river has a source, every river has a course, and every river is a force. So yes, we are doing a three-point sermon, and all of those points Rhyme we just saying, I've got a river of life. It's like 1988 all up in here today. It's awesome. So here we go. Every river has a source. What that means is that every river starts somewhere. It has a beginning. That water's coming from somewhere. So if you were to walk backwards upstream, eventually you will find the source of that river. And more often than not, they they are a high elevation area. They're up in a mountain. It's snow. It's ice. It melts. Rain catches it. And bam, you've got a river. Sometimes it's an underground spring, but even still, it's at a high elevation because we're learning so much today. All rivers flow downhill. That's That's how they get a current. That's how they know where they're going. It's just gravity. It's not super complicated. And so every river's got a source, and they're all flowing downhill to something, but that usually makes sources difficult to find because you have to climb a mountain or dig a hole and go underground somewhere. And to this day, there are actually a ton of big rivers that people still debate over where the source is. People still argue about the source of the Nile. It's actually got a whole bunch of them, but there's still one main source. And and people have fought and argued a couple hundred years ago. People made it their life's goal to be the person who found the source of the Nile. In fact, some of our most well-known missionaries were a part of that. David Livingston, if you remember him, not personally if you remember him, but if you learned about him, he actually found a source of the Nile, but they don't think it was the source. Uh, Anyone watch the TV show Top Gear? They actually did a special where they tried to find the source of the Nile, and they found a new one. But people still debate and argue, where is the actual source? Same with the Amazon. National Geographic, just within the last five years, think they found a different source of the Amazon. Uh, Bad news, one of the main sources of the St. John River is actually in northwestern Maine. But don't worry, the river's so long that it gets filtered. By the time the water comes through (laughs) Fredericton, it is un-Americanized, Purely Canadian, safe for boating and fishing and swimming. It's all right. Dave's obviously not in here right now. (laughs) Every river has a source. That water is coming from somewhere. In Ezekiel's vision, the source was the temple. And for people that were hearing that vision, that's a pretty obvious picture. The temple represented God himself. That was God's house. It was his dwelling place. It was sacred. It was holy. Anything that was coming out of the temple was from God himself. So the picture there is that God is the source of everything, of life, of joy, of hope, of peace. He was the one that goes across what's dead and he makes it alive. God is our source. We believe that God is literally the source of all things. Genesis 1:1. in the beginning there was nothing and God spoke and there was everything. He's the source. He's not just the source of the big obvious things. He is the source of every little thing as well. There isn't a single good thing in your life that doesn't have God as its ultimate source. Everything good comes from God. He is the author And perfecter of our faith. Every good thing you have came from him. And you might be able to trace those things back to smaller sources, but eventually you'll get to God. Even coffee. Right? Some of you are drinking coffee in this, you, you got a cross-point coffee cup, your source was the fellowship hall. But our source for that coffee is a guy named Dan who works for the Van Hout Company. And Dan's source is from a larger coffee provider. And their source, you go back along the ways you'll find that eventually there's some guy in a farm picking coffee beans in South America. But even then, his source is the plant that coffee is growing on. And even then, it gets a source from, from the water and the soil. And even then, you kind of dig under all of that stuff and you find a seed. And even then, the seed comes from God. Praise the Lord for coffee. You can only trace things back so far where the only explanation is that God is the source of everything. He is the ultimate source, but not just of physical things. Inwardly, he is the source of everything that you've got inside as well. God is the source of my joy. He is the source of our peace. He is the source of our hope. I don't find those from anything else. I might find them temporarily from other sources. I, I might find peace when I actually get to have a nap. I might find joy when, like, the Jays win a game or whatever. But listen, those things are only brief. You wake up from a nap and you get tired again, the Jays will play and lose again. Right, those, those things are only temporary, but I, from God himself, have joy that doesn't ever leave. I have from God himself peace, even when I shouldn't have peace, when it doesn't make sense for me to have peace. What's my source of that? It's God himself springing up life in me. There is no other explanation other than he is giving me what I need when I need it. He is the source. And when life gets miserable and hard and confusing and difficult and everything is just piling on and everyone thinks, oh man, that poor person. But then they see you walk with your head high and your feet on solid ground and they're all questioning, what are you doing? How are you getting through this right now? You're able to say to them, I've got a river of life because I've got God inside of me supplying me with everything I need when I need it. So I've got peace when there's pain and I've got joy when there's sorrow because God is the source of everything every good thing in my life. God. God is our source. If you don't have Jesus, what is your source? Where are you drawing from? I mean, you're drawing from somewhere. When you need peace and when you need joy and when you need hope, where are you finding it? How deep are you having to dig to get it? And even then, how long does it last for you? You're all drawn from something to find it somewhere. We believe that Jesus is our source, and he is a well that does not run dry. In fact, there's a story in the Bible about Jesus, and he sat down one day by the woman at the well. And, of course, he's just, it's all a ploy. He's setting it all up. She has no idea. And he says, could you get me a drink of this water? And so she does and, and here's what he eventually ends up saying in John four thirteen: Anyone who drinks this water will soon be thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Jesus is the living water. And he says, now you have a fresh bubbling spring within you that is giving you everything that you need. In Ezekiel's vision, the temple was the source. It represented God, but now we understand biblically that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit because God now lives within us, and so we actually have the source inside of us that gives us life and peace and joy and hope. When we need it, it's there. Every one of your other sources will run dry, but not Jesus. Every one of your other sources will leave you thirsty again, but not Jesus. So, I guess the challenge for the Christian is, one, is make sure that your source isn't a mystery to anyone. People shouldn't have to debate where your source is or who it is. People shouldn't have to look at you very much longer and say, well, where are you getting that hope and joy from? How are you getting through this hard time? What are, where is that coming from? It's Jesus it shouldn't be a mystery. Scientists shouldn't be debating it 200 years from now. It's the Lord. <laughs> Make sure your source isn't a mystery. Secondly, every river runs a course. All this water talk has me. It's a water bottle for ants. Um, every river has a course. Which means every river is going somewhere, and it's always going there, and it never changes its mind. It doesn't do a U-turn. It doesn't decide to stop. It eventually gets to where it's going. Every river has a finish line, and that's where it's always going all the time. It's running a course. If you get in a kayak, and you get in the St. John River, and you start going with the current, you will end up in the Bay of Fundy. Probably via the reversing falls, so time it accordingly If you do it again the next day, same result, you will end up in the Bay of Fundy. If you do it again three months from now, it's going to be the same result. That is the course of the St. John River. It always has been, it always will be, it won't change. Every river has a course, and it stays on that course until you get to the finish line. Speaking of St. John, have you ever tried to navigate through the downtown area of St. John? Like, have you ever tried to drive through downtown St. John and all those dumb roads and one-way streets and hills and exit only and yield. And just, pfft, it is the worst. It's the worst. Um, eventually, you'll just end up facing oncoming traffic. That's how every road ends in St. John. St. John just makes you play chicken with other vehicles. It's Mad Max Fury Road 100% of the time in St. John. That's where I learned how to drive. All of my driving hours, all of my driving tests were going through St. John. I remember circling King Square 48 times before I realized I could go straight at one of those places. Just Turn left and turn right and exit here, and all of a sudden, oh, you're in the water with the kayaker in reversing falls. I, I think they changed the signs weekly just to keep people on their toes. See, if you were to look at the course of your life so far, it would probably look more like St. John than it would the St. John River. Like you, you, we live our lives in a way that I'm gonna go this way and I changed my I moved over here, and then I took a job over here, went to school over here, married this person, took a new job over there, married someone different over here, came back this way, and, and your life looks like K okay, looks like St. John rather than just this one phew, kind of straight ahead road, doesn't it? Life is complex. It is not simple. There have been twists and turns all along the way. It's not straightforward. And yet for some of us, eventually somewhere along that path, we did find the way. And it goes one way. In Ezekiel's vision, the water was leading into the Dead Sea. That was its point. That was its course. We'll find out why in a few minutes. But, but just to stop here for a second, when you decide to follow Jesus, he gives you a very specific path to take. He gives you a very specific road to follow. It has a defined course. It has a defined finish line. It goes one way. You shouldn't ever have to make a U turn. You shouldn't ever stop. You shouldn't give up. You shouldn't turn back. You shouldn't turn away. Because, as Paul reminds us, we are running this race to get to the finish line. That's our course. We want to get to that finish line. Isaiah 30, verse 21 in the NIV says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. (laughs) It's not a way. It's not one of many ways. This is the way, walk in it. This is the path, this is the road that you are supposed to follow. And so every day if you're a follower of Christ, you wake up knowing this is my path, this is my course. Everyone who is a follower of Christ should wake up every day knowing your purpose. You should wake up every day with purpose. You should wake up every day knowing this is my point, this is why I'm here. Sure, it might be today to go to this job or to go to school or to stay home or whatever that is, but ultimately, I have a purpose for why I'm getting out of bed in the morning. So some days might seem pointless, but they are never purposeless. Some days might have pain, but they are never without purpose. We know the way, and we are walking in it. We know the path that we are following. We know what our end game is, and we want to get there. Matthew seven thirteen. Jesus reminds us again. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. This is the way. Walk in it. Not the most populated one, but it's the right one. It has a very specific end. There is meaning. There is purpose. You are walking somewhere with a point. You're not not just walking somewhere purposeless, like a treadmill. You ever feel like you just walked for 40 minutes and you realized you didn't get anywhere? That's how some people feel in their life. I woke up today, and I work tired, and I'm sweating, and I'm tired, I didn't get anywhere. Jesus gives you purpose. Jesus gives you a path to walk down. He gives you a finish line that we're all attaining to get to. So we need to live our life on purpose, church. We need to live our life ultimately knowing this is the path. I need to stay on it when it gets hard. I can't give up when I get frustrated. I can't walk away when it gets annoying or painful. I want to get to the finish line. Finally, every river has a force. Every river is a force. Now, unfortunately, we usually only see this when a river floods and then is just destructive. And you see how forceful a river can be when it washes over buildings and houses and vehicles, and and you just see the destruction that water can leave somewhere Right? And it just kind of lays waste to everything that was in its sight. But what if, what if rivers could flow over things in such a way that they actually brought life? What if it was possible for a river to flow over something that was dead and bring it to life rather than to do the opposite? What if a river could flow somewhere and be a force for good, a force for life? That was Ezekiel's vision. He says this in verse 8 again. The river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. Now remember, the Dead Sea, still to this day, things flow into it, but nothing leaves the Dead Sea. It just sits there, collects it all, is stagnant, it gets full of salt and sediment to the point where the water is actually poisonous, so nothing lives in the Dead Sea. Don't ever try and fish in the Dead Sea, because it will be a waste of your time. In fact, when you try and swim in the Dead Sea, you actually mostly just float at the top. And they even tell you, don't open your mouth, because you don't want that inside of you. It's, it's awful kind of poisonous water that has strangled out any life that could possibly live in there. But Ezekiel's vision says, the waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh, and life will flourish wherever the water flows. He goes on to talk about fruit growing along the trees and branches that will never get brown. And there's always going to be crops. There's always going to be water. There's going to be leaves for healing. Everything that you need to live and thrive and, and, and be healthy will come from that water there is a force with this water that is making dead things come alive there is a force with this river that when it washes over something that's actually a force for good and life and health and wholeness and healing comes out of that water every river has some force but it doesn't have to be destructive and that is what God does. That is what the living water does. He washes over dead things and makes them alive. He washes over old things and makes them new. He washes over the, the beaten and the broken and the weary and the pained. And, and he, he gives them life and healing and rest and joy. That is what the living water does. That's where it gets its name. And this is a picture really for all of us with a life that we get to choose. Do you want to be the Dead Sea or do you want to be in the living water? There's a lot of people that kind of live with the Dead Sea mentality where they're just kind of sitting there taking it all in, taking in as much as they can, but, but they're not letting anything out of them. They're not letting anything flow through them. If the Dead Sea opened up and would just leave some water, it would, it would live again. But it's just stagnant, it's stuck, it's purposeless, it's not going anywhere. And, and that is unfortunately a, a descriptor for so many people's lives, even in our own city, where, where they're just kind of taking life in, but there's no point, there's no purpose, they're stuck, and, and it's killing them, it's not allowing life to come into them. Or you can know and experience and, and drink of the living water. I mean, that's, that's our choices. Because everything the living water touches flourishes and grows and finds life. I mean, that's it. That's the point. If you're wondering why we just talked about rivers for a half an hour, that's why. That is the main point. Is that there is a river of life that brings goodness and salvation to everything that it touches. And really, when I read this passage, and this, this kind of happened randomly. I use that in air quotes. I wasn't actually reading the book of Ezekiel at that time. It's not a book I frequent often. But I came across this passage and was reading it, and I got this strong sense from God that this is what he was saying to me. This is what he was saying to the church at Crosspoint, that this is a picture of our city. This is a picture of Fredericton. And and it kind of looks like a dead sea where there are tens of thousands and tens of thousands of people who don't have life. They, They don't have purpose. They don't have hope. They don't have joy. They're certainly looking for it, but everything they drink makes them thirsty again. Everything that they try just leaves them feeling empty again. Every time they try and draw from a source to find joy and hope and meaning for what they're doing, it only lasts for a moment or for a season. And then they're back wondering, well, what else can I find? What else can I try? And they're just taking it all in, but they don't know what to do with it. They don't know where to go with it. And God says, you and us, we are the living water. We have the living water inside of us, at work within us, and we need to live and speak and love and walk around our city in such a way that everything we touch becomes a force for good, that we bring life to things that are dead, that we bring healing to things that are broken, that we're able to bring nourishment and goodness and wholeness and joy to people who don't have it. That's what living water does. I mean, the picture of Fredericton is we are a river city. We've got water running right through the middle of our city, but ironically, our city is still dead, but there are people who have the living water. There are people who have the ability to kind of wash over our city and bring it life that it needs so desperately. We are bearers of this water. We talked about this verse last week where God says, I am about to do something new. We didn't finish the passage. But here is the passage today. It's in Isaiah 43, verse 19. He says, For I am about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the field will thank me, and the jackals and the owls too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland, so my chosen people can be refreshed. That is the picture of the church, that we would be living water in such a way that people need to be refreshed. How many people do you know need to be refreshed? They're weary and they're tired and they're lost and they're hurting. We know the living water. We have the living water. The source of that water is inside of us. So we need to be streams in the desert. That's our calling. Your workplace might be a desert wasteland. Some of you are say, yeah, it absolutely is. So be streams of living water. It might be your home. It might be your school. It might be your neighborhood. And it needs to have that aerial picture of a river running through it. And everything that river touches is green and whole and growing and flourishing in life. In fact, the Bible ends with a river. This is what we have to look forward to. It's in Revelation 22. It's another vision and says, Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. You see, it's connected very much to the vision we just read. But then he goes on to say, but now, no longer will there be a curse on anything. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads, and there will be no more night there, no need for lamps, no need for sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. One day, church, we will again live alongside the banks of a river. But it is going to go right through Main Street heaven. And there will be life and trees and food and healing for everyone who needs it. But, but here's the thing. There won't ever be a curse again. There, there won't ever be pain again. There's not ever going to be suffering again. We're just going to get to enjoy the river of life knowing that this is what we drank to get here, that this is what we experienced to look forward to that forever someday, that there is the promise that That there can be life and healing and hope and joy and peace all the time. One day we will live alongside a river, but here's the thing. We actually do right now too, live alongside a river. And so our challenge in the meantime is to be living water for a city who needs it so desperately. Our challenge is to be living water everywhere we go, making sure that, that when I leave a room, hopefully I brought life and goodness. That, that when I leave school that day, that I left it better than the way it was when I went into it because living water went into that school. That should be a force for good. That your workplace should be better when you leave in the afternoon than it was when you got there in the morning because living water flowed into that place. So there should have been some healing and some peace and some grace and some hope that entered in. That we actually can be a river that flows through the city of Fredericton in such a way that it's just leaving a wake of goodness in its path. You've seen how powerful a river can be when it floods. You can't stop it. People try and put those sandbags up. It just, you can't stop it. Can you imagine what that would look like for the, the river of living water to flood over Fredericton in such a way that, that it just can't be stopped, that it, we're just a force that flows over everything and brings salvation and goodness and hope everywhere we go. Don't you want to be a part of that? That's my prayer for our church it's my prayer for you, it's our prayer for Crosspoint in Fredericton, that we would be living streams in the wasteland, but it's really a, a prayer and a hope for all of the kingdom of God in the city of Fredericton. I know it might shock you, but the Baptists have the living water too. Pentecostals, they're drinking the same water. I want us to live in such a way that people would look at you and say, like, what's in your water? I say, well, <laughs> good question, let me tell you. Let's be that living water. We really do have a river of life that flows not just into us, but out of us. And that water gives you the ability to see the lame healed, and the blind to have sight, and the captives to be set free. Right? let's You. That's you that has that power because the Spirit of God is in you. We often think, well, that's other people. That's super spiritual people. That's other church things. That's Holy Spirit people. No, that's you. If you are a follower of Christ, you have that living water. You have the ability to pray and speak and love and walk around and see sick people get healed. That doesn't just happen to other people. You have the ability to to go to blind people and give them sight, not even necessarily physically, but spiritually. You can be the picture of Jesus that gives them sight for the first time. That that you've got the ability to go to people who are captive, they are prisoner to their life or to their job or to money or to addictions, whatever it is. And you've got the living water that can set them free. I want us to know and have the faith that says, I can live that way. I can pray that way. I can speak that way. I can wash over the city in that kind of way. It's not up to other Christians. It's not up to other super spiritual people. You have the living water that is flowing outside of you. So we need to be one. We need to know our source, and it's God himself. And you need to wake up every day running your course. But we also need to be a force everywhere that we go for the gospel and for the kingdom and for our city. That is my prayer and that is my hope. Can you imagine what that would look like? At one point in the vision, he's walking through the water and he starts and it's ankle deep and he gets a little deeper and it's up to his knees and then it's up to his waist and eventually he says, when you get all in, you can't actually walk through it, you gotta go under And the call to follow Jesus is a call to be completely submerged in the living water. I don't want anyone walking around ankle deep in the living water. No one wants to be waist deep. But it's an invitation to be all in so that we can be a force for good in the city. So I'm going to pray for us today. And... uh, before, I guess I want to pray for our church to be that force, but I really asked, I want to give an opportunity. Uh, maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. You've never drank the living water. You don't know what your purpose is. And maybe today is the day that you just want to say yes to Jesus. And that's literally all that it takes that you would say, yes, Jesus, I want you. I want what you have to offer. And so I'm going to pray for that. We had 10 or 15 people on the last week or two make that decision. And uh, you'll ask anyone else who's drank the living water. It's been the best decision they ever made. So let's pray. Just get get you to bow your heads and close your eyes and just, if there's anyone in this room that would say, I need prayer today, I need to accept Jesus, I need to follow him, I want to know him, I want to drink that living water. I'm just going to lead you through a really quick prayer, but we want to know who you are so we can pray for you. So I'm just going to ask right now that you would slip your hand up in the air and say, I need Jesus, I need the living water today that's you, we want to pray for you today. And I also want to pray for us as a church that we would have the faith to be living water in our city. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you that you are here with us. And and I just pray that today, everything that's happened, I pray it's been a sweet sound to your ear. I, I pray that our worship today would honor you and that you would be pleased I pray that when we leave this place today, our worship to you would be honoring and you would be pleased. That we wouldn't just choose to glorify you this morning in church, but we would glorify you when we go home today and when we go to work and when we start up our week. But Father, I just pray for those people today who have never met you and accepted you. I just pray they would simply say the prayer, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my past. And today I drink the living water wash over me and make me new and give me purpose for my life. And Father, for the church, I pray that we would have the kind of faith that that could flood the city of Fredericton and be such a force for good, for peace and joy and salvation and hope. May that be the picture of Crosspoint in our city that so desperately needs the living water. And so we thank you and we praise you. We give you all the glory and we ask all these things in the name of Jesus and his church said, amen, amen. Amen. Let's worship this, this morning.